0: Listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestcolona.ca. And I love this passage of scripture that we're going to start off here at today as we look at a, a good number of passages this morning. But as we look at Philippians 3, you can turn to that passage. I'm going to be reading from this. I love this passage because it is kind of that, you know, important, let's get this going kind of thing at the start of the year. And it's important to, to evaluate and to kind of take stock of where you are at, to, to do a New Year examination. And, and really, that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to do a bit of a New Year examination and, and, and to see where we're at today personally. And I encourage you to, to be looking at your own heart as we go through these, these, these items together here today. And a new year, year provides us an opportunity for a fresh start and, and, or we can just kind of like go on through the same old, same old of life. And, and yet we have an opportunity. Folks, listen to this statement. We have an opportunity to live life or to let life live us. We have a choice in what we're going to do. If we're just going to coast along and life happens and we take whatever goes, or we can strategically look at our lives and plan and, and purpose in our lives what we desire to do, especially when it comes to our walk with the Lord. And so he, we're going to look at one of my favorite passages of Scripture, especially at New Year's, but, but this would be probably one of my favorite passages of Scripture of all time. Philippians 3, verse 12. I'm going to start reading, and it's the Apostle Paul talking here, writing near the end of his life from prison. Life isn't a a bowl of, of cherries for him. Life isn't really all going all that well on the outside, and yet you wouldn't be able to tell by the way that he writes because he's on the inside he's being renewed. And so in verse 12 it says, Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Because of the gospel, because of what Christ has done, he says, I press on. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so here we see the Apostle Paul, he's reminding us that the Christian life is one of, of progress, not about perfection. The great, mighty, godly, if you want to call it, Apostle Paul, great preacher, church planter, missionary, all of these things, is even saying, I'm not perfect, I'm not there yet, but I'm progressing. And this text is a reminder, it is a challenge to each one of us at the start of this new year to come on, let's go. Let's get moving. Let's get after this. And and as we read this passage, and you read it in light of the entire chapter, you see that within the Apostle Paul, there is this discontentment. There is a wanting of more of Christ to share more and more of his life. There's this passion that is undying, even though he's towards the end of his life. And he knows that, not only by age, but circumstance. And he knows things aren't looking good. And yet, he's, he's pressing in. And he's wanting more. And I mean, he already has experienced I mean, God's grace from the great sin in his life, from his past, and he's been redeemed and changed from that, and he's walking in, in that new life and the grace from, from what he has done in the past, but he, he's also experienced God's power flow in him and then through him in powerful, incredible ways in healing and planting churches and seeing people come to Christ, and yet he wants more. More, 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 not satisfied with with just coasting along, but but digging in deep. And so he's saying, I'm pressing on for the glory of God because of what he's done. I want to keep going. But you see, there's a huge danger, huge danger that exists, that lurks in this room, a danger that is um, lurking in each one of our hearts, even here, sitting here this morning. And this danger even can happen in our lives, even though we may sit in a church like this 35 or 40 or 50 or 52 Sundays out of the year. You can come to church and yet just go through the spiritual motions. Have our hearts, as the word is proclaimed, to have our hearts unmoved, unchanged, just kind of going through it. And and one of the things that is a killer to spiritual growth is nostalgia. It's living on what Christ has done in our lives this past year or decades ago, you know, or or maybe even many decades ago. That it's just like God has done all of this in my life. I think I'm pretty good. I'm just going to sit back and just take it in and 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 have hearts that are being unmoved and unchanged by the Word of God, by the Gospel, and 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 that is such a danger that that can happen because we set ourselves up for pride. We set ourselves up for arrogance, just thinking that we have. Enough, and we will never have enough. Paul never had enough. He he wanted to keep pressing in and pursuing, not to not to earn his salvation, but because of a salvation that he understood that w- was gifted to him by God's grace. And we can sit here and have no strong ties to Christ, year in and year out. We kind of get into that cruising altitude, you know. We get. Uh, I love flying, and especially when it's to a, a nice warm destination, a holiday destination of some sort. Great time to fly, and, and I love that, that takeoff and just kind of that feeling you get in your, in your gut as it's taken off, and, 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 and you keep going, 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 and then you kind of just start to feel everything kind of, you know, the engines get, you know, kind of wound down a little bit, and you kind of get into that cruising altitude, and, and that's good. That's really good for getting you where you want to go in an airplane. It's not good spiritually. We kind of have that takeoff times in our lives and, and we get, get, get accelerating and, and life is good. But then we just kind of hit that coasting and we just, we are not made, we are not wired to be an airplane, but to continue to keep on going and pursuing newer heights and, and newer and deeper experiences with the Lord in his word and, and just wanting more and more of that. And I hope, I pray that that is your heart and your desire here today, not to be like an airplane. Maybe more of a rocket that just continues to keep on going. But we have a tendency, it's so naturally ingrained in us to coast, to coast in relationships, in our marriages, in, in, in our family, in the raising of, of our children, and in, in praying for others, and, and we just kind of get into this little comfortable little little mode, and, and, and we become lazy, and, and we take the path of least resistance. I don't know, is that true for you at all? Do you ever experience, you just kind of at times just want to j- just cruise along and, and just take it easy? And, and the danger, another danger, a warning that we have is, is found in James 1, that the half-brother of Jesus. James, when he wrote, he says there's, a, a, there's the danger of us becoming just hearers of the Word and not doers of the Word. And there's such a blessing when we hear the Word and we do the Word. And you take the opposite of that. If we're not hearing, and if we, or if we are hearing the Word but aren't doing the Word, then there's not a blessing in that. And so, this morning... Paul says, forget what is behind. Be thankful for the past, for the, for the joys as well as for the things that were a struggle and difficult. But let's press on now. Let's, let's not just sit in the past. Let's press on. And that's why 2016, I think we need to start with a bit of a New Year's new year examination and you know when you go to a doctor for a new for an examination we often fear that we don't really look forward to to that too often because it can be you know in our minds especially it can maybe be painful like what this guy perhaps has experienced and you know i mean this is for especially for a lot of us men when we think of getting medical examinations done we just think of ah, pain you know or or just like don't go there you know sort of thing and so we're not very excited when it comes to doing these kind of examinations and and uh, when all kinds of tests and different things get run we just kind of you know it just get hooked up to machines but but it's so important to do this sort of thing just as is it's important to take a physical physical examination and your heart gets checked and your blood pressure and they listen to your lungs and and, and they check some fluids and, and and check all of these kind of things and 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 those kind of indicators are often a good sign of high how things are really going on the inside. And so today we want to look at some of these indicators that may reveal how we're doing on the inside. And I was given this spiritual examination, if you want to call it, in the training center when I was in Chicago a number of years ago, and from one of our harvest churches, and so modified it a little bit here, but I'd love, love for you to work through this with me. I'm going to ask nine questions today, encourage you to be writing down these questions, and these questions are for you to reflect on in the next number of days. In fact, this week with Heart Resurgence, not going to do the, the, the full study and the video and discussion like we, we normally do. Instead, I'm going to ask that you go through these nine questions questions and kind of highlight the areas where where God is needing to zero in where you desire to to grow in, to be challenged in, and, and then to pray for and stand with one another. There's going to be, as I mentioned in the email, some extra time of fellowship and just kind of catching up over from the Christmas, from the holiday season, but then to spend some time together saying, hey, what are the areas here in, in my life that, what are some of these indicators that that I know I need to get growing in, that I need to be challenged in, and, and to have your brothers, to have your sisters pray for you, pray for and with you in this. And so we encourage you to be a part of heart resurgence and, and to get into this this week. So be writing these down. And the first question I have for you is godliness your goal. Number one: is godliness your goal? We set all kinds of goals at the start of a new year or in life and and, and we have these certain hearts, desires and dreams and and, and things that we want to work towards. You know, like maybe it's like I want to lose weight, I want to get in better shape, I want to learn something or start something or I want to stop doing something else or whatever it might be. But what about godliness? Is that on the radar? Is that a, a goal in your life to pursue, you know, a, a more of a godly, holy life? Are you striving to be holy as God is holy? Or are you just kind of floating along, hoping that good intentions will kind of carry you through the day? Or is it a goal to, to, and, and a desire? God, I, I want to pursue you in, in holiness and in right living. And So I'd like to read here in 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. And it says in verse 7 of, of 1 Timothy 4, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. And folks, in our world today... Social media, email, websites, news, all of these different things. All these kind of alternative news sites and all of these different things. There's a lot of conspiracies and opinions and ideologies that can consume so much of our time and so much of our thinking. And it takes us away from the word of God. It takes us away from the pursuit of Holiness and godliness in our lives. And Paul goes on to say then, he says, rather, instead of these conspiracies and theories and all of these irreverent silly myths that are going on in our world, train yourself for godliness. Don't focus on all these other things. Train yourself. Hit the gym in godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. As it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Is godliness a goal? Godliness isn't just something admirable, and, but it's crucial for a life of, of enjoying and understanding and going deeper with God. And one of the key ways that we grow in godliness is by looking to Jesus, by looking at him. Hebrews 1.9, nine. I encourage you to write this down. Great little description that we get in Hebrews 1.9 of Jesus. And it it, it says in Hebrews 1.9 that that he loved righteousness and hated wickedness. You want to know what it is to be godly? I think Jesus was rather godly, wasn't he? God in the flesh. He hated sin. Do you hate sin? Or do you just hate the consequences of sin? The guilt that comes with sin? Or when you get caught, the regret of sin? Or do you actually hate sin? Jesus hated sin and he loved righteousness. May we do the same. Press into that. That we love doing what is good because it gives glory to Him, not glory to us. It's all glory to Him. May we hate sin and love righteousness and pursue that with all of our might. We do this by reminding ourselves, preaching, rehearsing the gospel day in and day out of what Christ has done, who He is, and His great love demonstrated. And And throughout the day, and as we dig deeper into this, it ruins us for for just wanting to even participate in in areas of sin because we see what sin cost him. cost him the cross, and he went there for us, bore the wrath of God that we so deserve because of just even one little sin in our life. That's what we, consequences to our sin, and yet he's covered that for us, blows us away. Second of all is discipleship your pursuit. 2 Peter 3.18 says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. See, the most important thing that can happen in your life is not winning the lottery. The most important thing that can happen in your life is not getting married. I mean, marriage is is good. It's awesome. And, uh, you know, in but it's not the most important thing that can happen to you. It's not having a career, having a, a good saving account or, or a retirement account or, or having that nice house or that nice car, that next position, p- possession. That is not the most important thing in your life. The most important that thing, thing that can happen in our lives outside of receiving Christ as our personal Savior is the pursuit, the passionate, intimate pursuit of discipleship, of growing and becoming more and more like Christ, deepening our relationship with the Lord. And the God of this universe invites us into a relationship with him, invites us into a daily, ongoing relationship where we can hear from him, where he speaks to us. Discipleship, it's becoming more and more like Christ in our words, in our thoughts, and it's then sharing that with others. Is this a pursuit in your life? Because something is a pursuit in your life. Something turns your crank. What is it? Comfort? Pursuit of wealth? That next purchase? That vacation? Video games? The next sale at work? At work? There's nothing wrong with these things I've just mentioned. There's nothing wrong in and of themselves unless they become your primary pursuit. It's what you're dreaming about. It's what you're going for. It's what you're thinking about. Maybe it's, maybe it's, it's personal goals or uh, physical fitness or whatever it is. All of these things can be so good, but they are not to be primary. And at Harvest, we have the three W's, and, and we even have them on one of the little posters out in the, out in the lobby, the three W's of, of, of what a quality disciple is looks like a quality disciple first of all is what do you know this worships christ second of all walks with christ and thirdly works for christ and we throughout the year we come back to this oftentimes to remind ourselves this is what a quality disciple of jesus looks like how are you doing in these areas it is vital, it is so important, the most important thing about our dis- discipleship that will grow us in areas of worship, in our walk, in our work for Christ, is the Word of God. It is primary. There are so many good podcasts and preachers that you can listen to, they're on TV, and then there's some bad ones out there as well that are on TV and podcasting, but you can download, you can listen to some of the best preaching, you can even go back, there's, there's um, Stephen Lloyd-Jones, this old English preacher who who, who lived a long time ago, and and you can listen to many of his sermons online. He had a very funny voice. But, I mean, you can listen to just great preaching throughout the years and current preachers, and, and you can have all this. But nothing is better than picking up the book and having God speak to you through the Word of God. This is the most important. It's His Word and God will speak to his children through the word of God. He speaks to us today. And, and, but this starts with discipline, and it starts with picking up the book. Pick it up. We pick up our coffee. We'll wait in lines, crazy long lines at Starbucks or Tim's, or some of you even like McDonald's, like my wife. I mean, don't know how, but, you know, some of you like McDonald's, McCafe coffee, you know. And, and, and we'll, we'll go in long lineups to get our, to get our fix, are we willing to take the time to pick up the word of God and have God's word fix our lives and to teach us and to train us and, and, and to, to give us hope and encouragement? Do you have a Bible reading plan that you're following? What is your plan? If, if you don't have a plan, you're going to either, what is that old statement that, that either you fail to plan or you plan to fail? What is it when it comes to God's word? Do you have some sort of a way that you are daily in God's word? And and I'm talking chunks of scripture. Just taking one verse and then reading some, some person's commentary on that isn't the same as taking and reading the word of God in its full entirety. Reading chapters. On our website, there's Bible reading plans. You can, can download one of those. You can print them off. It, in fact, there's, there's one that I just came across recently, and, and probably part of the reason why I really like it is because it starts tomorrow. You know, and, and, and it does. It's a weekly reading plan for the year. It starts January 3rd. I guess that's today. So you know, But it's five days a week. And I like this because reading plans, when you do seven days a week, I oftentimes get bogged down when I'm going through a reading plan because I start digging and I'm reading and I just don't want to just rush through the Word of God. I want the Word of God to get through me. And so sometimes I get stalled up on it and then you get a few days behind. But this one is a a five-day-a-week. And so I've got some catch-up days in there or some opportunity to get ahead. There's some of these available. I can send you the link. I'll put it in the weekly email. But there are some printed copies at the welcome table. encourage you to take a look. At this, what's your plan for getting into the Word of God? Either plan to uh, fail to plan or plan to fail. And so, I encourage you to be in God's Word, take advantage of that. Discipleship is it your pursuit? I'm, I'm amazed at, at, at how oftentimes we will adjust our schedules and we will do the crazy things, like even just this morning, found out that Nate. Um, has a basketball practice at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. How brutal is that? You know, some coach decided to have it at that time. Don't know about that sort of thing. But you know what? He'll be there. And you know what? He even has found out, and and, uh, he doesn't want to find this out the hard way. The coach actually even told him, if you're not there early, you have to run laps. You know, and so the boys are there. I mean, Nate wants to be there at 6.45 just so there's no chance of him being late. So so Charlotte adjusts her work schedule to get to work early to have Nate there at practice for seven o'clock. And we show such dedication. We find out that all of a sudden the schedule changes and they have to go here instead of there for a game. And all the parents drag get the kids there and they speed and break whatever rule that that you know are out there, traffic laws to get up there. But when it comes to discipleship, when it comes to the word of God, when it comes to the gathering together, oh I'm thinking I'm gonna sleep. Oh got a little sniffle. Oh better not, you know what, better not go to church, better not go to study tonight, you know, just you know, got a little bit here. But we'll take and spread our Diseased wherever else we go, you know, all of a sudden we become very mindful. And, and is it your pursuit? Is it something we're chasing after? Again, be disciplined in this. There's no growth that, does, that happens without discipline and being committed to it. Apostle Paul says, like, sweat it out. Come on, let's get after this. So I encourage you to take, be a part of the heart resurgence that takes place. That will then, Lord willing, after heart resurgence is over, we'll, we'll move into the small group ministry. And, and uh, you might say, I've had bad experiences in small groups. Yeah, you know what? That's okay. Try it again. You know, and, and, and trust God for, for him to grow you and change you even through good experiences or even through difficult ex- experiences. And, and uh, men's breakfast, 6.30, Friday mornings. Love seeing the men that are gathering together to get into God's word. Women's events as they come up throughout the course of the year. Opportunities for fellowship, for training. Harvest Essentials will be happening again. If you haven't taken her, you want to refresh her, get to that. We'll let you know when that will be happening again. Harvest Youth, there's, there's talk and there's some prayer and, and, and some planning that's going in. We want to see something start to develop for, for the young people in our church. And, and uh, be a part. Make a commitment even now. Say, hey, when there's a prayer night and worship night, we're going to be there. We want to be a part of this. Adjust your schedule. Remember, and we won't even make you do laps if you come late. But don't come late. Come on time and let's get after it. Is discipleship your pursuit? Because something is. Thirdly, are you passionate about worship? Worship is the joyful response of our heart when you focus on the awesome glory of God. It just flows out of us when we, when we focus on his glory. Psalm 29, verse 2 says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory do his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Worship should be a delight and not something we just have to do. It's something we want to do. In, in 2 Samuel, chapter 6, you read about David. He was dancing before the Lord with thanksgiving. And it says, with all of his might. He was, he was given it. There was passion. There was enthusiasm and do we have this today or do we have blessed be your name, blessed be, you know, I mean, how is it when, when what, how do we express ourselves when it comes to worship and worship isn't just about what we do here on a Sunday, it's what happens throughout all of our lives. And so throughout the day, how about in the good times? Yeah, it's easy to worship, and, and like rejoice when, when, when we were experiencing God's goodness and His blessing and answered prayer. Yeah. How about when life stinks, when it's hard, when we're in prison? Look at Acts 16. Paul and Silas are in jail. I mean, they're spreading the gospel. They're doing this work for God. And what happens? They end up getting beat up, thrown into the center of the prison in shackles. And what are they doing? Whining, complaining, just like, you know, oh yeah, look it up. No, they're praying and they're worshiping, singing songs and, and hymns. And, and they're just, just bellowing out. And, and God shows up in a miraculous way in the midst of that. What do you do when life is hard, when it's confusing, when you're being tempted to sin? When you're living in the prison of fear or in hopelessness, do you worship or do you worry? Do you worship or do you whine? Do you whine to other people? Do you whine to God? Or do you literally turn to wine Or some kind of addiction or some kind of a substance just to kind of get you through? Maybe it's pills. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's some retail therapy. What do we do? No, we are to worship. And there are times... I, I can picture a number of times, even in the last number, probably in the last month, of where I was in the city where I was driving, where my mind was not going in a great place. I was discouraged. I was anxious. I was frustrated. I was whatever. I mean, and, 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 and this is going on in my head. And, and there's this part Meldon, you need to worship. You need to get worshiping. I'm like, no, I don't want to worship. Don't you tell me what to do kind of thing, you know? And I, I, I'm sensing, like, just turn on the music. Like, get the music on your phone. Just put in your earbuds and start worshiping. And I'm like, I don't want to because I know what's going to happen because my, you know, and, 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 and you get so stubborn and, 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 and if I'm not driving, it's like, get into the word. I need to get into the word. And I don't want to because sometimes I just want to sit in. But when I do. And I start focusing on Christ and getting my eyes looking off of myself and my situation and the goodness and the glory of God. Everything changes. Next thing I'm in tears. Praising Him, thanking Him and meeting with Him. And people you're driving along and thinking you're weird then, because you know, you're in one moment, maybe at one red light, it's like, you know, like, oh, that guy looks like he's ticked off or whatever it is. And then that little bit he's crying. He's got his earbuds in, he's probably. You know what, talking to somebody, found out he lost a lot. No, I'm being, being, being filled with God's goodness and his grace. We need to be worshipers. How are you at worship? Are you passionate about worship? It's vital. That's why we gather together on Sunday mornings, adding your voice with others as we lift up one voice to Jesus. Worship is a mark of your love for Christ. How are you at worship? Fourthly, are you committed to fellowship? As we look at trends in society and a church, we see people are committed less and less to to church. I remember hearing uh, a number of years ago that a committed person who was called a committed person who attended uh, would attend church about three out of five Sundays. I'm now hearing that's more like one to two Sundays out of five. People who would attend church, you know what, once a month, now it's about six times a year, and it's becoming less. Why? Affluence. We have more stuff. We have more things that consume our time. We have busyness with with with, with schedules and work and different things like that. And, and and some of these things, work schedules, you can't get around some of these things. And and I know, but when we purposefully plan and strategize and Strategize uh, the plans of our life to be away from from worshiping with others in fellowship. That's not good. You start to feel the effects of that. Another, another reason why fellowship is becoming more difficult is not just the busyness of life, but there's a lot of good preaching out there. There's a lot of good preaching. You can live stream church services. You can do all of this, and yet there is something that is still missing because we have to come back to God's word in Hebrews 10 because this is our source. This is our authority, and it says, and let us, in Hebrews 10, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. How important it is that we are in fellowship, and not just the lobby talk that happens over some, some vitamins, as we call them, little Timbits, or you know, um, you know some of the snacks and the coffee that, that may happen before or after the service, but about getting into the lives of one another, caring for, walking with um, each other in in true fellowship, not just coffee and, and, and a Timbit after the service. God's word reminds us we need each other and we need to be growing in the area of fellowship. N- Number five, do you serve like you should? First Peter 4.10, it says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as stewards of God's varied grace. If you are a believer in Christ, you have been gifted by God to serve the body of Christ as well as our world around us. Are you doing this? It's like, oh, yeah, okay, guilt me in. Okay, fine, I'll sign up. I'll go on the website and, you know, serving at harvest, I'll click that and I'll click some area. No, it's not out of guilt. It's not out of, oh, I better do it or else. It's a response, a response to what Christ has done, that he came to serve us. He gave himself for us. And, and so our service to him is just a response of thanksgiving. Number six, do you, do you pray like it matters? We have this this wonderful pillar here, number three, believing firmly in the power of prayer. Love it. Love it. Love to be able to state it. Love to be able to put that on our website. We believe firmly in the power of prayer. We can say we believe in prayer, but if we aren't doing it, we don't believe it. So let's do it. Let's get on this. James 4.2, it it says that you have not because you ask not. James 5.16 reminds us that the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. It's not just pray once and keep on, it's continual, keep on praying. And as as we keep praying, God works in power as we continue to keep calling out to him. You see, we believe in theory, in theory, oftentimes, that God can do anything. But so often we fail to actually believe it or live it. With those impossible, what's your impossible situation? What is it? What is it you're going through right now? What is it in a relationship, finances, health that looks so impossible right now? Turn to him in prayer. Seek him and see what he does. Oh, may this be a year that we go deeper in prayer as individuals, as families, as, as a church. May we replace fear with faith, and that comes from seeking God with boldness and in humility and with great faith. May we see the impossible become the immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. If you need help in your prayer life, there's a great book out um, at the welcome table there, Transforming Prayer. So helpful to grow you in, in your prayer life. But then get busy praying the prayers of Scripture. Get busy praying through the Word of God. And God will show up. Seven, do you give... Do you tithe faithfully? Malachi 3.10. Do you give faithfully, cheerfully, a tithe, which is a tenth in the Old Testament we see of your income? Or do you spend your time trying to rationalize why that doesn't really apply to you? Or just ignore it altogether, hoping that it really is something that doesn't matter. You know what? It does matter. It does. Sometimes we get caught up in the discussion, well, is it a tenth, or, you know, that was Old Testament, and, you know, that was law, but now we're under grace, and the New Testament doesn't really talk about, Jesus never said we had to tithe, but the pattern we see throughout the New Testament is one of cheerfulness, of sacrifice, of joyous giving back to God out of poverty, oftentimes, and we see the blessing that comes with that. The pattern we see throughout the scripture, and we go, but, 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 but you got to understand my situation. Well, let's understand God's word. 3.10 of Malachi. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. This is an area where the Lord says, test me in this. Test me. Bring the full tithe in. See what happens. Test me. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. He blesses when we give. It's not always financial. He blesses in many other ways. And in, in seeing how through being careful with our resources, we become greater stewards of it. And the blessing that comes along with that. And we see God meeting our needs. He's going to take care of his kids. He's not going to meet all of our greeds. And that's a good thing because we've got a lot of those. But he does promise to take care of our needs. Eight, do you love your neighbor? Do you love your neighbor? Jesus said in Matthew, Matthew 22. Verse 36, I'm going to back up to, and it says, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love, the lo- uh, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Our neighbor is anyone we come in contact with. It's not just who lives next door to you. But It's kind of hard to love some people, isn't it? Neighbors, not neighbors, family members, co-workers. Some people just have that wonderful ability of getting under your skin, right? Any of you struggle with that? How are you doing at loving others? How are you at loving your neighbor? Especially when maybe they've treated you wrong or they've done things to tick you off. We are to love the neighbors just in the same way that we love ourselves. God's command is to love. We are to encourage them. We are to love. We are to bless them. We are to pray for them, get to know them. We get to value them in the same way that we value ourselves. And, and looking at each one of you, even this morning, you value, valued yourself enough to make yourself look pretty good. Some of us could have maybe taken a little more time you know and yet i mean we 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 treat ourselves we we make sure we are fed today we're make, making sure that you know what um, you know our comfort you know our needs are being taken care of in the same way we take care of ourselves we are to take care of others but it's hard it is so hard even, you know, after that snowfall last weekend, and I was out shoveling snow, and, and I actually don't mind it. You know, I, I'm a tough guy from Saskatchewan, Alberta. We're used to snow, so this stuff is nice. It's not even cold. I even think I put it on Instagram just because I knew family members would ride me about the snow we're getting here in Kelowna. You know, and I say, well, it's, it's a warm snow. You know, it, it, it's, you know, not minus 25 and snowing and drifting. It's, it's, it's minus one and, and coming down so beautifully. But I, I'm watching the snow getting cleared. You know, m- neighbors are out. And I watched this one neighbor, a couple houses down, he was clearing the snow across the street and putting it on the neighbor's driveway across the street. And I'm like, what's going on? And, and he was out there, like I, I was out there quite a bit, doing quite a bit, because it kept snowing and snowing. And, and, and I watched him, he just kept going with his push shovel, and he kept taking it. And, I even went, and he put it in front of the post office, like our little post office box. But, and, and then I realized the neighbors weren't home, because they weren't shoveling their snow, and there was no activity there for a few days. And he cleaned up his area. like I mean, you couldn't find hardly any snow in, on his side of the street or anything. And he was taking and he was piling on the neighbors. And I'm, I'm watching this, and I'm not having feelings of love towards him. In fact, my justice comes out and I'm thinking, what's going on? And then finally, it was a couple days later, midweek, I noticed that the other neighbors came home late at night. And they're out there, what are they doing? They're shoveling this packed snow that then the snow plows had piled. I mean, they had a mound of snow. And I'm like, I should go tell them what this guy did. you know? And, and I'm, I don't have a lot of love in my heart for this neighbor. I'd love to tell I went over and I talked with him and, you know, I told him about the Lord. And you know, I need to learn to love him. Even though he's done nothing towards me, he's already driving me nuts. How am I at loving my neighbor? God's word puts that spotlight in us. You know, we think it's, it's the nice people in our life. Yeah, I've got to love them a little. No, those ones are driving us nuts. Another guy was taking, pushing all the snow in the middle of the street. Snowplows come and pile it up in front of my house then. You know, and like, how am I doing it? Meldon, you're failing. You're not doing so good in this area. Let's get after it. It's a new year, it's a fresh start. We have these nine things. I trust you've been writing them down. Here's the ninth one, because this is where it all kind of comes together and why this is so important. And the last one is how's your heart? how's your heart really doing? We can have the right look on the outside, but but how's our heart? Is our heart becoming hard towards people, towards the Lord, towards the church, towards circumstances, towards our spouse, children? How's your heart? Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart. It is the wellspring of life. Everything flows out. Guard your heart. So often as we don't take a look and, and understand, you know, too deeply, we don't, we don't really analyze how our heart is. Ephesians 4, I encourage you to read this. This is in, in verse 8. I'm going to read this here for you right now. It says, they, in reference to unbelievers, are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, to greedy to practice every kind of impurity. See, this is the result of a heart that is hard, that is darkened in their understanding, alienated from God. And if a, heart, if a hard heart leads to that kind of a thing, well, let's, let's twist this now, let, let's turn it, and put the opposite in here. A soft heart, a hard heart leads to alienation, it leads to greed, to sensuality, but a soft heart leads to understanding, to intimacy, to knowledge. What's it gonna be for you? If we let our hearts become hard because of circumstances, or we didn't get the, the, the fair shake in, in, in one way or another, our hearts become hard, and, and there's just a, a downward dive in, in our walk with the Lord, in our relationships with others. And we become numb towards the things of God. We become numb towards the plight of others. We just start thinking more and more of our own heart and our own, own wants and needs. A soft heart not only stores up a blessing, but it reaps the benefit of it every day. Guard your heart. Guard your heart from the sin from bitterness, from worldly thinking and worldly things. Pursuing humility. A humble heart is a soft heart. A soft heart is a humble heart. Pursue that. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you now and as we've looked over this list, it's not just a checklist and, hey, doing okay in a lot of these areas. But it's a, something that we are to look at in a desire to go deeper, further, with more passion and with, with great energy to pursue these kind of things. And there's, there's so many other things we could have talked about here today. And yet these, these are nine important things that we've highlighted from your word. May we not just see this as a list but we would see that in and through this that there is life there is life because of a God who grants this life as we pursue him we're not trying to do these things to to earn salvation from you because it is a free gift for all who receive you for all that turn away from you and even Lord now as we worship you as we partake of the Lord's Supper together as we remember it all comes down to this, your great love and your sacrifice for us. This is really the moment that this is all moving towards. Where we as the people of God gather right here, right now, and we eat and we drink together and we remember what you did, Jesus, for us. Not just Christmas, you coming to earth. Joe, Noel. So much more than that. It was you came to this earth to die. To die on the cross for our sins. We thank you for this special moment where we just see a picture and get to partake in a very tangible way of the understanding of your grace and your love towards us. It's as we partake of the bread and the cup and remember the broken body the shed blood for Jesus, this is where we're reminded that you haven't lost patience with us. We're reminded that you are for us and not against us. We're reminded that you make all things new. We're reminded that you enter into the mess of our hearts, of our lives, of our family, of our relationships, of our finances, and you bring healing. I encourage you just to as we sing together, as we worship, to consider these truths that we've been talking about and to search your heart. Some of these things, it's, it's going to take time. It's going to take the Lord working in our lives and it's going to take time. We're all all a work in progress, never, never arriving till we're home, but progressing, pressing in, desiring more and more.